Praise God for this morning again. I uh, hope you're all well. Um, I, don't, I don't get a chance to see your faces responding whether you're well or not, um, but I do hope that you're well uh, this morning. And, and thank you again for, for joining us for our Sunday morning, Sunday morning service. Some of you would have heard probably yesterday the, uh, the announcement that um, there's gonna, it's gonna take a little bit longer to, to get back into to things normally uh, and would have been discouraging for some of you, perhaps even many of you. Uh, but I just want to encourage you this morning, not, don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Uh, the Lord's in control. Yeah, the Lord's in control. And uh, we've got to trust God in this. We've got to trust God through this, as we've been trusting God through the whole circumstance. So I want to just encourage you to keep trusting the Lord. Um, keep praying for, for one another. Keep praying for uh, the leadership. So there's, there's good direction uh, but when, when the temptation to get discouraged kicks in, just, just be encouraged. Be encouraged to trust the Lord and know that God's in control. Um, I want us to, to pray this morning and just be praying for, for the word as we listen to the word this morning. I want to continue with the word that we heard last week um, about the blind man who Jesus uh, spoke to and who Jesus healed. In fact, the first song we sang today was, was quite timely because the very first words I think were sung this morning is that you give life and you are love, and you bring light to the darkness. And I think, you know, in some ways it's quite remarkable because those, those three areas cover, cover what we've been speaking about, that he gives life, and he certainly did to the blind man. He, he brought love to him, and he brought light to darkness. And I, I suspect and I believe there's going to be, um, there are people in this world and even quite possibly among us this morning who experience have experienced this and still need to experience this. People who don't quite understand what life is, they, they are living but don't quite understand what life is, um, who still need the depth of God's love in their hearts because they have experienced a human love that's let them down, maybe a human love that has uh, somehow promised them things and only to find that they can't fulfill those promises or what they expected and thought this love would give them hasn't been able to give them, hasn't been able to fulfill it. And so maybe now there's an emptiness or, or, or a sadness around this. And so God is, is calling out uh, and wanting to give the, his, his incredible love. Remember the story we gave about the, I shared about the Samaritan woman a few weeks ago, quite possibly a woman looking for love, looking for love in all the wrong places. And Jesus uh, interacting with her and being able to satisfy a, a thirst that was in her heart. Uh, be able to quench a thirst that was in her heart because of the living water, the, the life-giving water that he gives. And this morning, I pray that uh, as you reflect on this man who is a beautiful picture, a true story of a man who Jesus healed, but he's also a very beautiful picture of the human condition, of the state of the human heart. And I, I pray this morning that you also are able to, to understand the life that he gives, the love that he gives, and then, of course, the light that he brings to darkness, which is a beautiful picture, again, of this man and what he has given us. I don't understand the depth of your heart. I don't understand that. And as I pray this morning, I pray that you open up your heart. I don't understand the depth of your sorrow. I don't understand the depth of your pain. Can we even understand the depth of this man's pain? I don't claim to understand the depth of your pain. But I 100% I, I believe that the God of creation, your creator, the God who created you, understands the depth of your pain. Even if you haven't told anyone the depth of your pain, he understands, he sees. And this morning, I pray that you open up your heart to him and allow him to bring life, to bring love and to bring light into that darkness. Because at the end of the day, what is this morning about? 
You know, at the end of the day, I don't want to fill you with knowledge. I don't want to make you more knowledgeable people. The Bible says that knowledge puffs up, uh, but it's love that edifies. So my, my heart's desire this morning isn't that you click off at the end of today's service and think, oh, I know more about the blind man. That's not my heart's desire. My heart's desire this morning is that you click off and you think, wow, I understand more about life and how to live life to the full, how to live life the way Jesus designed for me to live. You know, Jesus looks at a world today and he sees a broken world. He sees a very broken world with broken relationships, hurting relationships, broken hearts. And he still comes to heal the brokenhearted. This is this is the, the promise of Jesus. This is the, the plan of Jesus. This is the his whole purpose is to is to bring this. So you know this morning if you're if you're sitting either on your own or you're sitting with groups of people, but in the depth of your heart, you know there is a brokenness or there is a pain or something along those lines. I want you to be encouraged this morning that he brings love, he brings life, he brings light to darkness. And I want to pray for you this morning that your hearts are open to receive the word that he has for you. So join me as we pray this morning and open our hearts. And and maybe you're not someone who normally prays much, but if you can just... Uh, just, just as you reflect, as, as you listen, perhaps join us. Try and ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to uh, speak to your heart this morning. Um, I want to uh, thank God for those who this morning are here for the first time. Um, and I just pray that your hearts are encouraged. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, I pray this morning that your hearts are open to receive what he has to tell you. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much that you are present with us this morning. Lord God, you are everywhere. You, you know our hearts, you know our situation, you know our circumstances, and you know exactly what we're doing right now. Uh, Lord, there's not a single moment of the day that you don't see. There's not a single moment of the day that you don't know about. When, when life is joyful, uh, you are there. When life is painful, you are there. Lord, we, we sometimes can't see it. Sometimes we can't understand it. Sometimes we can't hear it. Uh, sometimes it's just hard to believe that you never uh, you're never absent, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for this. And I pray this morning that you would open our hearts to receive your word, that we would receive what you have to give us. And I pray if there's anyone among us that is broken and hurting this morning, that you would bring healing. I pray for anyone who doesn't know you this morning, that you bring life. And so, Father, we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, so as I said last week, we, we started to speak about this, this man who was born blind in John chapter 9. So you can open up your Bibles again to John chapter 9. Now, part of me thinks we're going to finish it this morning. <laughs> part of me thinks we might not finish it this morning. I don't know. I don't know how we'll go. Uh, but bear with me. Uh, bear with me. And, um, and I pray that it, is, it continues to speak to your heart and continues to encourage you. Because the more, as I think about this passage, it, it's quite a remarkable story in the scriptures. I mean, they're all remarkable. All the interactions that Jesus had with people are beautiful to read. Every interaction is quite... It's quite beautiful to read. But this is the blind man's testimony. And for some reason, I was saying last week, and for some reason, God has chosen to dedicate a, a long chapter to his testimony, a long chapter in his book. And, and there are so many circumstances that this man goes through that relate so much to our lives today. So this man has a testimony that we want to read about, we want to be encouraged about, and we want to learn about. What's very unique about this man? There's something quite unique about him. Often when people have an experience with Jesus, often when people have an, an encounter with Jesus or they come to know Jesus or they give their life to Jesus, often it's in the context of something very positive. You know, you might be around other Christians or you might be at home or you might be in the Word or, 
or there's, a, there's, there's an environment around you that usually, usually is quite positive, that will encourage you, that will support you, that will maybe pray for you straight away. And, and, it's, and it's a wonderful experience. When we've, when we've had people give their life to Jesus or people have come to church and they've given their life to Jesus, we, we're able to smother them with the love of Jesus because this is an incredible decision that they've made. They've, they've made a stand against the world that rejects Christ and they've made a stand for Jesus. And so we encourage this. This is a wonderful thing. However, for this man, his experience was very, very unique. This man had an encounter with Jesus and the first thing he had to face was a fiery trial. He was facing a trial that was almost um, everyone was against him. And so all of a sudden he wasn't necessarily embracing the arms of Jesus and, and, and being reassured by the other disciples. He was straight in. He was straight into a fiery trial. Why? Why did God allow this man who had spent all his life blind to only have been able to see and then have found himself trial after trial immediately? And then it wasn't until later that, um, that Jesus came to, came, came to him and, and spoke to him. So this, this story is quite remarkable. It's quite a remarkable story. And what actually happens and the people around him and the experiences he has and then Jesus, the Saviour, who comes and brings great comfort and great reassurance in this, in this man's life, which often the Lord does. After a trial, after a season, the Lord comes strong and mighty and we, and we, and we are reassured. By, by his word and we were reassured by, by his love. But this man, this man that we spoke about last week was a man of great, um, the, the, the condition of this man was quite very much like uh, the condition of our lives today. It was a state of darkness, uh, a state of, if you like, hopelessness, uh, a state of possible brokenness or broken relationships. And here is this man that lived life not because uh, he had a choice in what he was doing, but he was bound by his circumstances. And, and it's very possible. We don't know much about this man. We don't know much about his experiences. We don't know much about who he was. And so we could say this man had a supportive network. We could say that because we don't know, but it's unlikely. What is more likely was this man was found, we know, begging, but this man was also found in a circumstance that was quite unsupportive and even quite isolated and even quite possibly rejected even by his neighbours and quite possibly, quite possibly even by his parents. So this man, this man experienced, if you like, human condition. He experienced pain within and the, and the things that he felt within and the, the sense of being alone within and the sense of possibly rejection within and then he experienced the pain externally and the things that other people made him feel, other people reminded him of, maybe reminded him of his sin. Oh, he's the man that must have sinned or his parents must have sinned, you know, and maybe they reminded him of his sin constantly or maybe they treated him like dirt. He was in the way, they kick him out of the way. What are you doing here? Get out of here. You're in our way. Who knows? But the sense of that his life was broken, broken within and broken when it comes to other people. That's not dissimilar to life today. People live in a state of brokenness. People feel pain within. People experience pain without. And so this is a man that, that describes beautifully the human condition. And so when people come to faith, what Jesus is bringing them to is not to add a religion on top of a religion. That's not what he wants to do. He doesn't want to add laws upon laws so that you can become more a man of law. He wants to come and bring you into a place where you experience freedom from within. He wants to bring light 
to darkness. He wants to bring love to pain. This is what he wants to do. And so the Lord Jesus Christ didn't see this man blind and think to himself, oh, yeah, I'm going to give him sight. No, he came and said, I'm going to give him life. That's what he wanted to do, he wanted to give him life. And so when we become Christians, we experience this. We experience this incredible sense of life that comes into our hearts. And then as the years go on, as the years go on, it's quite possible if you're not careful and if you're not watchful, it's quite possible that your faith becomes a routine. Your faith becomes a ritual. Your faith becomes a religion. And all of a sudden you start to live life just like every other Christian. You use the vocabulary that Christians use. You go to places that Christians go to. But at the end of the day, there is no life. All it is is a routine. Jesus is, doesn't want this. He, I, I think there is a pain in his heart when he sees his people doing this because they are missing and being robbed of the very life that they are, he has come to give them. And so he calls them to turn from their old ways and to turn to him. This is a man that might have felt alone. He might have felt alone, but the Lord God Almighty was watching him. The Lord God Almighty had a plan for him. The Lord God Almighty intended that the, that the works of God would be glorified in, in his life. And so I want to read, I want to continue to read this story and continue to see um, what is happening for this man in this time. And so last week, I'm only going to read a couple of passages from last week, and then I want to, I want to go on and start fresh from verse 10 where we left off um, last week. But let's just go back quickly to verse 6. Let's go back to verse 6 and look at this verse here. It says, and when he had said these things, he spat on the ground. Remember that? He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This was the incredible healing of this man. This man was given a very clear instruction. Now, he could have, he could have chosen to fight the truth, couldn't he? He could have chosen to fight this and thought, no, don't touch me. What are you, that, how, that's disgusting. You're putting something on my eyes. Or you're this disgusting. You're telling me something that, uh, or you're doing something to me that I don't want. He could have resisted and fought the truth. But at the end of the day, if he fought the truth, he was never going to be free. True? Can you fight the truth? Can you? Can you, can you really argue against the truth and win? Is it possible? And yet people spend their lives consciously or even unconsciously, intentionally or even unintentionally fighting the truth, fighting and resisting the truth. They know in the depth of their heart what they need to do. They know in the depth of their heart what they have to surrender and they fight the truth. Beloved, the truth is this. You can never fight the truth and win. You can never come against the truth and win. If your reputation is causing you to fight the truth, you're always going to lose. If your pride, if your pride is stopping you from yielding yourself to the truth and you continue to fight the truth because your pride just won't allow you to humble yourself and surrender to the truth, you're never going to win. Okay? If you're always worried about the opinions of other people, if you're worried, what are they going to think? What are they going to say? If you're always worried about the opinions of people rather than the truth of God, you're never 
going to win. What do I mean by win? You're never going to know salvation. You're never going to know the freedom from sin. You're never going to know the experience that God has for his people. And that is to know him and the power of his resurrection. You cannot fight the truth and win. And this man, this man could have resisted and thought, no, it's all too much for me. This is all too much for me. It's too confronting. It's, it's too close to me. And he could have resisted this. Or he could have said, Lord Jesus, listen, do what you have to do. Say what you have to say. Speak what needs to be spoken into my life. And when you speak the truth, Lord, and you do what has to be done, Lord, and I go and I listen to what you ask me to do, then I will come back seeing. Do you understand? You can't fight truth and win. There is no way. This man was asked to wash. This man has told, go and wash. And and unless he was going to do according to the words of Jesus, he was never going to be able to see. And it's exactly the same today. We can't take the word of God. We take, can't take God's word and say, you know what? I read God's word, but I'll do things my way. It's not right. Unless you do things the way Jesus asks them to be done, you will never know the freedom of God. And that's why when Christians neglect the word, I find that really odd. And why would you neglect the word when in it there is life, there is instruction? And so God has given us words of life. We can resist it. Or we can embrace it. Even this morning when you listen to me, you can be speaking, you can be saying in your heart, I'm not interested, or you can be saying to your heart, speak, Lord, speak, um, because your servant your servant is listening. And so you are ready to hear what the Lord has to say. He said to this man, Go and wash. Do you remember a story? A story in the Old Testament of another man who was told to go and wash. Um, a man of reputation. A man, I believe by memory, who was the captain of an army. And um, he was told very simply, the man had a condition called leprosy, very, very bad skin condition called leprosy. And, and he was considered to be, by memory, a mighty man. Yet he had this problem. He had this problem. And even though he had this reputation, he had this problem. And he heard that there was someone in Israel, there was someone who could possibly who could possibly heal him, a prophet named Elisha. And so he went to Elisha, and Naaman went to Elisha. And Elisha said to him very simply, okay, go and dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. Ah, go wash yourself seven times. Go wash yourself and you'll be clean. Now, of course, Naaman was too proud initially. It was like, what are you talking about? Why should I go wash in the Jordan where back where I live, my rivers, my rivers, our rivers, my life, the way I know things, the way I do things is better. Too proud, too proud to submit to the truth. Too proud to accept that his way or his ways or his place wasn't good enough. And he needed the way of God. And as long as he fought the truth, he was going to remain a leper. He was going to be haunted by his leprosy. Until he realized, and after people spoke to him, until he realized, what am I doing? Why am I fighting this? If they asked me to do something amazing, I would have done it. Yet very simply, go and wash in the, in the river Jordan. So he goes and he humbles himself. He goes and washes, and the Bible tells us quite beautifully after the seventh time, his skin was like the skin of an infant. Beautiful, beautiful and clean, 
pure, if you like, and white. And this is what the Lord Jesus did to this man. Go and wash. And he came back seeing. And he tells us the same thing. Come and be washed. Listen, not in water, but in the blood of the Lamb, in the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? Not go and pour blood on yourself, but go and come in repentance before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I have tried to do life my way, but you came and shed your blood on the cross to forgive my sins. So now, now I can give my life over to you. I can live the way you have asked me to live. And brothers and sisters, friends, when you do this, you come back seen. This is the gift of God. And I love this because it doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't matter how young you are, when you come to a place of consciousness before, before God and sin, and you say, God, I need you, forgive me. If I need your help. And God says, come. And then he forgives and he washes and he makes us as white as snow, or if you like, the skin of an infant, or if you like, with eyes to see. And so we say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That's the testimony. And that's, this, is this, man's, this is this man's testimony. So in verse 10, in verse 10 and 11 is the first time, remember three times he's being asked to give his testimony in this passage. And verses 10 to 11 is the first time this man is asked to share his testimony. So what does he do? Let's read. And so they said to the man, and, this, and by the way, this, these are his neighbours, first of all, yeah? His neighbours are asking him, and they, they're confused. Remember, they were confused. Is this the man? No, it's not the man. Is this the man? It looks like him. No, it's not like him. And, the, and his own neighbours are confused, which suggests to me they weren't, their relationship to him wasn't very strong. You know, so this, this is why I'm thinking there, there are some broken relationships here because his neighbours can't even recognise him. Yeah? And so they're having this confusion about him. And they say to him, they say um, in verse 10, they, they ask him, you know, how, how did this happen? Um, in verse 10, they said to him, how were your eyes open? Verse 11, he answered and said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. It's very simple. The man's testimony. Here it is in a nutshell. You know what? There was a man called Jesus. Um, he, he put clay on my eyes. I went and washed. I came back and now I see. Perfect. Surely everyone is going to believe. Surely everyone's going to understand. This is a very simple testimony. But I love this because this is, if you like, one of the most amaz amazing questions that gets asked in the world today. If there's no greater question, this could be amongst the top questions that gets asked in the world today. And the question that his neighbours asked him, how were your eyes opened? Are you ready for that? If you're a Christian, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, are you ready for that question? Because it is the most powerful, one of the most powerful and one of the most amazing questions that you can be asked and you need to be ready to be asked because it is one of the most beautiful things that can happen in this world today. The question when someone comes up to you and says, hang on, how were your eyes opened? How are you so sure? How can you see? How can you be so confident? How do you know what you know to be true? And this question said in so many different ways is one of the most profound questions, even designed by God in a lot of the cases. God is anointing and designing so that you can answer the question to give glory to him. And you're able to say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. This is your testimony. This is your, this is your life. This is your whole experience. And if you don't know this, you have nothing to say. You have nothing to say. What are you going to say? Um, 
it's kind of like I read the Bible and I think Jesus is God. I mean, what's that? But until you actually experience that your depth of your sin, that you have sinned against him, and that you know now there is nothing in life greater than knowing Jesus. There is nothing in life better than knowing Jesus because you were blind, but now that you can see. Like the, I think it's the psalmist that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You've been eating certain food and now you have tasted the Lord Jesus and you've tasted the food he has to give you and you've taken every other food and thrown it out. What's the point of this other food? What's this junk food all about? Now I have true food. I have life. I have life. And this is one of the most beautiful questions this man was asked. And now we're asked, we're asked today. And then it says in verse 12, then they said to him, where is he? And he said, I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting phrase? Isn't it? Don't you find that quite fascinating? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? The man comes back after washing from the pool of Siloam and, and he's not around. He's not physically to be seen. And I reckon this is one of those debates that continues today. This, this, um, this debate or this tension where people say, where is he? And the Christians say, I don't know. I can't show you Jesus. I can't, I can't say, zap, there's Jesus. Or I can't say, look, here's a picture of Jesus. Or I can't say, yeah, come with me, I'll show you Jesus. You know, that tension, that debate still continues today. People say, oh, really? Yeah, you believe in God? Where is he? Where is God? Where's Jesus if you believe in Jesus? You know, I want to see Jesus. And, that, and there's this thing about people need to see to believe. And yet we know through the experience of Thomas that faith, the beauty of faith, is to be able to believe without seeing. And so this tension of this debate that goes on today, the Christian stands confidently and boldly and people say, where is he? And we say, you know where he is? He's here. He's changed my life. He opened my eyes and this is my testimony. And this is why the experience of our lives is so powerful and so important that we don't waste the opportunities to grow our faith because when we ask that question, where is God? We don't need to see God. We don't need to see Jesus. We walk by faith. And it takes faith. It's faith that blesses. It's faith that saves. It's faith that sets free. It's faith that gives us peace with God. It's faith. And so what's the enemy going to, what is the enemy going to attack? Your faith. What's he going to try and crumble? Your faith. He's not going to come with a jackhammer and try and crumble your faith. He's going to allow things to come and creep in to eat away at your faith. Almost like the termites who want to creep in and slowly but surely eat your faith away. Have you ever seen a piece of wood rotten by termites or a tree maybe rotten by termites? It's not coming in with the axe and saying, bang, there goes the tree. It's creeping in, it's creeping in, it's creeping in so that eventually your faith is crumbling away. And the enemy is targeting your faith. And what does the Bible say? It tells us to hold up the shield of faith. It allows us to hold up the shield of faith. This man... Was, was, was asked the question, where is he? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. And I can't show you Jesus, but I know if you believe in faith that the Lord Jesus Christ will come and set you free. He will open your eyes and give you life. He'll give you life. So verse 13, the Bible says this. So remember that the neighbours were confused. And what I find interesting about this now, verse 13, it says, and they brought him formally, formally who was blind, to the Pharisees. You know, that's what, who you were. That's, that's a definition for you. One who was formerly blind. 
one who couldn't see, one who was unable to understand truth. You know, you, you were shown it and you couldn't see it. <laughs> Some, someone was telling you it was black and you say, no, 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 it's white. You know, so you were formerly blind. They do something really interesting. They don't know. They don't know. And so they go and take this man to the Pharisees. Uh, I don't understand that. Why would you do that for? Why do you take the truth and go get advice from foolish men? Why would you go get advice from men who have problems themselves, who are divided themselves, who are confused themselves? Why would you take truth and go get foolish advice? Why would you do that with any truth? Why would you go and take truth and think, you know what, I'm going to find out this truth and go look up things from foolish authors, authors who don't know anything, authors who are, who are self-made authors, people who, who claim to be enlightened by something. Why would you do that for? Why would you take truth and bring it to someone who has no idea about truth? People say, oh, but I'm searching. Yeah, okay, that's good. Search, ask. The word of God speaks volumes. And so why don't you first come to the word and seek the truth in the word? And so these, these, these took, they took uh, the truth, they took this man and they went to get spiritual advice from the Pharisees that were divided among themselves. Let's look what they say. The second time, the second time he gets to ask, he gets to tell his testimony. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus, verse 14, now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. And the Pharisees also asked, him again now, uh, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put clay on my eyes, I washed and I see. And now the Pharisees are interested. So you think about what this man is going through. All of a sudden his neighbours have asked and now the Pharisees, the religious leaders who almost certainly, almost certainly he didn't have a good relationship with because they would have cared very little for him. They probably wouldn't have cared much for him. Maybe he, they saw him as a man who was, who was um, uh, well, in fact, I think they did. A man who was like a sinner, yeah, and so and so here here they are asking him, and the man has the opportunity to give his testimony again. I'd love to know the emotion. I'd love to know what he's experiencing. What is he actually thinking in his heart? Whoa! Not only have I told my neighbours, but now I get to tell the religious leaders. Imagine if they believe the whole world can understand this wonderful truth, and he, and maybe there's an excitement in his heart. Maybe there's a nervousness in his heart, I'm not sure, but he gets the opportunity to share his testimony again. Tell me, they say, what happened to you? And he gives this testimony a second time. Verse 16. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? Sorry, do such signs. And there was a division among them. How are they going to make a judgment on Jesus? How is it even possible? These men are bound themselves and these men are divided themselves. They're not even able to make a clear decision. And that is why sometimes it is actually foolish to take truth and go to people who are divided among themselves because it's not going to profit anything. What's the profit? What's the profit going to be? Trying to find answers in people who are struggling with problems themselves. These men were divided. How can, this man do, how can this man do such a wonderful thing? Yes, he is from God. No, he's not from God. It's not going to help this man. This man isn't going to be helped by, by their confusion. This man isn't going to be helped by their division. This man just needs Jesus. 
This man just needs truth. This man just needs to build what he knows to be true, and that's his relationship with the Lord. Yet these people who are claiming to be, claiming to be um, uh, spiritual guides, are confused themselves. Now what happens next is quite interesting. They can't make a, a decision. And in verse 17, the Bible says this, And they said to the blind men again, What do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, very simply, he's a prophet. You know, I've no problems. He's a prophet. He's from God. He speaks God's word and he proclaims the truth and and he's done this miracle. He is sent from God to speak the truth. He's a prophet. That's his understanding. His understanding of Jesus at this point of time. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know, or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Oh boy, this, this, is, this is a message in itself. What is going on here? I mean, just let's just take a moment to pause and think, what is going on here? The man, the man has, has had to give his testimony to his neighbours and he stood up. Then he's brought before the religious leaders and he has to give his testimony and he stood up. And now his parents are brought to him and they say in front of the Pharisees because they're fearing being kicked out of the synagogue, hey, ask him. What's going on? Now, we don't know much about this man and his relationship with his parents, but you know what? I would not be, I would not, imagine for a moment, imagine a broken relationship with his parents. Imagine a situation where his parents found it hard to somehow care for him. Imagine a, a relationship where they looked upon him and, and he was somewhat a burden for them. Uh, imagine a relationship where uh, they looked upon him and they were somewhat embarrassed by him. Imagine they looked upon him and there was really nothing there and they really hadn't connected because of his condition. Imagine if he wasn't good enough for them. Imagine if they thought himself to be somehow a problem. Now, you know what? We can imagine. But I suspect there are people who live life, and I know there are people who live life, and I suspect there are probably people who are listening this morning who don't need to imagine these things, who know firsthand that experience with their parents, who feel this sense of brokenness with them, who feel a sense that they're not good enough, who feel a sense that they're somehow maybe embarrassed 
and you feel the sense that somehow they're neglected in some ways. Imagine this man having this experience with his parents and now there's an opportunity for his parents to say, he's my son and it was Jesus who did this for him and embrace him to say, he's of us, he's of age, ask him. I don't know what this would have meant for this man. No, the Bible doesn't tell us and, and I could be wrong, but I tell you the truth. It's quite possible that this man would have heard the voice of his parents and his heart would have been broken even more because he would have seen, not even now, not even now I'm good enough. And it's like this. Jesus says, you know what? Yeah. He's mine. He's mine. Despite what people think, he's mine. And that's why the prophet Isaiah says that even if a mother forgets her child, I will not forget you. Isn't that beautiful? That he takes the brokenness of our relationships, takes the, the brokenness of even uh, the dynamics and families and all the things that go on there, and he's able to heal our hearts and souls still. He's able to bring us to himself and say, you know what, I will shield you, I will protect you, I will cover you, I will help you. And even if your own, even if your own reject you, I will take you in. And I'll love you. And this is the wonderful gift of God. This is the beautiful gift of God. Because what are these, what are these parents fighting? What are, they, what are they doing? Are they fighting God? Are they fighting man? Are they fighting themselves? What are they scared of? Are they being scared to get kicked out of the synagogue? They, they, they're, being, they're scared to get kicked out of their own religious institution? Or, or should they be more scared about getting kicked out of heaven? Should they be more afraid that if they don't do what is true and right, they're not even going to be allowed to get into heaven? Who cares about the synagogue? Who cares about a building? Who cares about the church? When God's love is far greater than a building, he tells us to come to him so he not only frees us and gives us life, but he, he, he promises a home in heaven. And yet the faith of these parents wasn't able, was it fear that gripped them? Was it, was it doubts that gripped them? Was it pride that gripped them that they couldn't embrace their son in front of these Pharisees and say, leaving his mind? What was it? And yet the Lord Jesus Christ sees the dysfunction and he comes in and he says, he's mine. You'll see, he says, he's mine. It's a beautiful picture of how the human condition is sometimes so, um, so damaged, so damaged because of the sin around us. And yet God is able to break all this and come to a place of healing. Do we really know the depth of this man's brokenness? I think it's far more broken than we can ever imagine. And that's why Jesus chose him to come and show and demonstrate the love, the light, and the life that he wants to give humanity. Thank God that Jesus takes the dysfunctions of life the pain of broken relationships, the pain of broken hearts, and is able to heal them by his love. Thank God for that. And so this man experiences this, and they, and, and they say to his parents, they will ask him, he's of age. And so uh, verse 24, so again, <laughs> um, it's coming to the third time now, again, the Bible says, they called the man who was blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. <laughs> you know, it's almost, it's almost a funny story. It's almost a comedy, you know, what's going on here. Um, and and their, their stubbornness, 
their stubbornness to even understand. You know, they've just been told by their parents. If the parents have been at least brave enough to say, they're my, he's my son, and he was born blind. And now they're still finding, trying to find a way to squeeze out of the truth. You know, that's not what people do. They, 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 even now you're listening and your hearts are convicted maybe with truth and you're trying to find a way to squeeze out of truth. You're trying to find a way to get out of an escape door. You know, is there an escape door? You know, will you just hurry up and finish so I can close my laptop? You know, yet God keeps knocking, the faithful God, and you'll knock and knock and knock until a day where there's no more knocking. And that's a sad day. That'll be a sad day. And these, these Pharisees are, are, trying to, are trying to still find, are still find a way. And they, and they say, um, uh, give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. Um, and then he says this. He answered and said to them, whether he is a sinner or not, listen to the simplicity of this man, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind <laughs> and now I see, you know, just, just, can we just think about this for a moment? The, the guy, the guy is told again, give glory to God. This man's a sinner. He says, I don't know. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't know. What I know is this. I was blind and now I see. Can't you see this? Even my parents told you I was born blind. You know, when the enemy comes against us, with all kinds of crazy philosophical ideas and ideas about life and, and tries to cause us to doubt either our faith or our experience. The Bible tells us in Revelation, a very beautiful passage, how the enemy can be fought, how life how what you can do to remain steadfast in this testimony. You know when there are times when you just don't know, there is confusion or there are struggles and, and, and the enemy is attacking in this way. The Bible tells us in Revelation this, Revelation 12, and they overcame the enemy. That's the devil. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. It's a beautiful passage. And I want us to understand something. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. When the enemy comes, they overcame by the blood of the lamb because the blood of Jesus is our hope. It is our salvation. And they overcame him by the word of their testimony. In other words, they overcame because their life, their experience was constantly one of God working in their life. It is the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life until death. And in some ways, this is kind of almost the life of a Christian. We're saved by the blood. We continue to experience the testimonies of the Lord. And then we keep going right till death, even till death. They didn't love their lives. This is the, the whole experience of the Christian. And now he's told again, hey, give glory to God. He says, you know what? I don't know, but I know this. And he gave them the word of his testimony. He gave them the word of their testimony. He said, I was, I was washed, if you like, if you like, washed in the blood, you know, so to speak. And he gave him his testimony and he said, I was blind and now I see. Do you think by now it's a done deal? Do you think by now they're actually able to say, oh, enough. Okay, we get it now. We get it. This is something that we can understand. We get it. We find it finished off. It's all good. No, it's not. The third time. 
verse 26, and I'll, I'll wrap it up in a moment. Verse 26. And they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? What would you have done if you were this man? What would you have said if you were this man? You would have said, Come on, man, what's going on? Are you blind yourself? Are you deaf? What would you have would you have like freaked out and got angry and upset with this, these people? Like after all these gone through, they ask him again. Verse 26. For what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And I'm going to finish with this next verse. I think it's the next verse, maybe. One more verse. And I want you to be encouraged to think and believe the same way. He answered, to, he answered them, I told you already. And he did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? You know, I, I, you know, sometimes in things in the Bible where you'd love to have been able to hear the tone of someone talking and, and different Bible translations and different audio versions of the Bible give different ideas of what the tone would have been like. Was this one, was this a tone of, of, of softness? Was it a tone of, of firmness? What, what was the tone like? What, what, how was he speaking? Was it a tone of, of being um, uh, frustrated and cynical? I don't think so. I think this question, I think this question, and it's just my suggestion, I think this question was one truly of confusion and um, innocence. I told you. I told you. Do you also want to be his disciples? Are you, are you that interested that you're asking me again? I don't get it. I keep telling you the same thing and you keep telling me it's not true. And I think of this man's life. And I think about how this man now starts to be a testimony of truth. And as he starts to even demonstrate perfectly what God has done in his life, the people around him still continue to resist this truth. And I know even this morning, as you hear God's word and you hear the truth that only the blood of Jesus can wash and set us free, when you hear the truth that you shouldn't fear man, but you need to fear God, when you hear the truth that you need to stand up for Jesus and not stand up for, for what you've always thought and believed, when you hear these things, there is still in your heart a tendency to fight against the truth, to fight against God. And the people that, were, you know, when we've spoken to people in the past and we've shared with things with people in the past, even counsel, even counsel, and still in their heart, there is a resistance to truth. And I'm asking you this morning, brothers and sisters, friends, whoever's listening this morning, that the truth of God never changes. The way of God never changes. It has saved and set people free from generation to generation. It has opened the eyes of the blind from generation to generation. 
People have run around trying to look for things that are going to satisfy them and have been left empty. And the word of God continues to satisfy and quench a thirst from generation to generation. And I'm asking you this morning to stop running. To stop running from the things that you know are fighting against God and come to the feet of Jesus, come to the foot of the cross and to know the love that he has for you. Turn from running and turn back to him. You might find temporarily a, a, a sense of satisfaction with the things you're doing, but it's only temporary. But come back to the creator of this universe and the creator of your soul that has designed you with a thirst for him. And all the running, all the running is going to make you just more thirsty, even more thirsty. Until you come to him and stop fighting God and allow the love of God, the love of Christ, the grace of God to come and welcome you into his arms. People might reject you. Neighbours might question you. Parents may not even be still good enough for your parents. But it doesn't matter. The love of God has come. You are mine. And I want to pray for us this morning and pray that we open our hearts to receive what the Lord has spoken and what not man has spoken. And trust that God has spoken to your heart. I trust that God has spoken to your heart and that you would receive the things that God has spoken. So let me pray for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for your incredible word. This man, this man who stood for his faith, this man, despite the oppositions of life, his own friends, his neighbours, his parents, his religious leaders, they all came against him, Lord, or they all questioned rather, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for his steadfast faith. And I thank you, Lord God, that he was able to overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the, the word of his testimony. I just thank you, Lord God, that you have given him as an example to us of the very condition that we experience in life and the, the darkness of life, and yet you come to bring light. And I just lay us, we just want to lay ourselves before the foot of the cross. We want to cry out to you, Lord God, and know that you bring healing in all areas of our life. So thank you, Lord, for your word, and I pray that your word grows in our hearts this week, that your word blossoms in all our lives and different areas of our lives, Lord God. I pray for your people, I pray you strengthen them, and I pray you'll make your face to shine upon them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.